Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to Called and Chosen Part 19. Don't forget, by the way, tonight, Marcus Sardoun speaking on end times. Five o'clock service. Uh, Marcus Ardern, raised in a Jewish family, great Bible teacher, really has travelled the world, teaching the Word of God and has some unique insights. And so uh, I'll be speaking with him tonight about end times, all right? 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to read quite a bit. Uh, I know that uh, that's not always common nowadays, but I like the Word of God to be able to give context to itself. 2 Kings 2, verse 1, And it came to pass... When the Lord was about to take Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master? From over you today. And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, because the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. He said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I won't leave you. So they came to Jericho. But the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He answered again, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me onto the Jordan. But he said, uh, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance. While the two of them stood by the Jordan, Elijah took his mantle, his jacket, if you like, rolled it up and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So it was when they crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, I'd love to stop there. Sometimes God is not going to ask you the great questions until you've journeyed through the difficulties. I could stay there all morning. But I won't. He never asked him before the journey starts. Come on, some of us want God to give us everything at the beginning. We want God to roll up and say, dangle the carrot and tell us what we're going to get. Sometimes he says, you just follow me. And then after you've, if can I say it like this? After you've proven something, after you've endured, he'll come here and say, now tell me what you want. Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. So he took his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. It's either going to work or it's not. Either the mantle is going to be his. Either the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
is going to make a way or there'll be no way. He's in that place. I love this. He tears his clothes apart. He also took up the man of Elijah that had fallen from him, went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took that mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him, struck the water and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that and Elijah crossed over. Father, help us today. None of us have got enough wisdom, enough knowledge, enough insight, enough sense, enough reason, enough experience to be able to hear what we need to hear unless we open our heart and the Holy Spirit says something. So God, speak to every one of us. There isn't someone here who's been a Christian so long they don't need anymore. There isn't someone so new that they wouldn't be able to hear it. God, every single one of us, there isn't even people here that are not believers yet. But God, you'll speak to them today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Elisha is called by God. This series called and chosen. He's called by God many years before. Elijah, his mentor, has gotten exhausted in the work of God. And God told him who to call. He said, go and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel Mahalah. That was his address in 1 Kings 19. And he says, call him to be prophet in your place. That sounds so good. He goes and finds this guy. He's a young businessman. This guy leaves the business, goes to follow Elijah. And you know, you'd think that maybe God would give him a little a tidbit, a little a taste, a little bit of sign of what's about to come. But there's nothing. Somewhere, according to commentators, between the next 8 and 15 years, Elisha does nothing but serve as a personal assistant to Elijah. He washes his clothes. He arranges for the food. He goes and makes whatever arrangements need to take place. And there are no signs at all of any great ministry. Sometimes God will ask you to serve in the anonymous. He'll ask you to serve in the unseen before he gives you any taste of what he actually has got planned for your life. Sometimes it's not about, hello, here I am, I'm the anointed one of God. Sometimes being called is going to be followed by periods of, of absolute anonymity. No one's going to know. They're not going to ask you to preach. They're not going to ask you to pray. They're not going to ask you to lead. They're, you're just the hanger-on who's carrying the bag. But all the way along, something is building in the life of Elisha. After all this time, there's only one thing he wants. It's not a title. It's not a position. It's not influence. The only thing Elisha wants is what Elijah has in the spirit, but more of it. Now, there are four places that they pass through on Elijah's final journey. And at every place, Elijah says the same thing to Elijah. Stop here. Or don't. Push yourself. You don't need to come further. I'm very aware that in this time and season that we live in, the enemy has convinced many people that now's the time to stop. Now's the time to batten down the hatches. Now's the time to withdraw. Now's the time to be careful. Now's the time to, to make sure that we don't do anything too rash. And Elijah is saying to this young guy that's been with him all these years, and think about it, 
he gives him the opportunity to basically say, you know, the last eight to 15 years, don't count for anything. Go home and get a new lot of oxen. Go home and restart your business. You don't need to come any further. At two places, there are sons of the prophets, people who also are called and who have insight to what's going on. But the difference is they have no hunger for what Elijah has. They can see it. They know what Elijah carries, so much so that when Elisha returns back from the, the part of Jordan, they all say the same thing. None of them say that, look, he's wearing Elijah's jacket. None of them say, oh, wow, look, he's not wearing the same clothes he came in. Every one of them say exactly the same thing. Look, the spirit of Elijah is resting on him. In other words, these are people that are spiritual. These are people that are godly. And they can see what Elijah has. But for some reason, none of them have any hunger to get what Elijah... It's, it's almost like they're going, hey, Elijah's going, but it never occurs to one of them to say, today could be the day I might get more. The places that they pass through, by the way, aren't bad places. Gilgal, Joshua chapter 5, is called Gilgal because the Lord says, today I've rolled away. Gilgal means to roll away. He says, today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you. You're no longer slaves. We sing the song, we're no longer a slave to fear. Well, this was the place where out of the cocoon that these people have been in, this slave mentality, out of it burst the most beautiful butterfly. The children of Israel come forth as a nation, as the people of God. They now walk through the land like kings, like they own the place. Something shifted them. That's Gilgal. Then they come to Bethel. Bethel is the house of God, but it's more than a building. That's where Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 saw the angels ascending and descending from heaven. That's where he said, this is none other than the, the gate of heaven. I'm in the place where God is active and moving. That's Bethel. It's a great place. Then they come to Jericho. Jericho is the place of the first miracle victory in the promised land. You know the story, the walls came tumbling down. These, none of these are bad places. The Jordan was where the children of Israel cross over into the promised land, again quite miraculously. But just because it's a good place doesn't mean you should stop there. Just because where you are right now, some of you have been Christians for a long time and where you are is a good place. But it doesn't mean that's where you should stop. It doesn't mean that's where God just wants to park your life. I believe that every single one of us are meant to keep going. Stay here, Elisha. No, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, I'm not going to leave you wherever you go. I'm just tracking you, man. I'm just going to keep on going. Many of us here in this church know what it's like to be tracking the Holy Spirit. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Destiny offering that we're celebrating today, that is an incredible amount. That's 20% more than last year. In this kind of a climate, hello, are you serious? That's nuts. 
Huh? Many of us know what it's like to be tracking the Holy Spirit. To be saying to him, as the Lord lives and as my soul lives, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to leave you. Oh, I don't mind whether you take me to a, a difficult place, whether everybody else has decided they don't want to go any further. But God, I'm going to keep on going no matter what. I believe we're meant to keep going. The crowd was content with where they were and what they knew. But the crowd is not always right. Everyone's saying. Lots of people have been saying. I've been around long enough that when I hear everyone saying and lots of people are saying, I usually ask the next question, how many? Who are they? And everyone's saying is three. Lots of people's two. I've been thinking is the only honest statement. The reality is that for, I hope you can get this this morning because I have a deep conviction in my heart that it's time for the church in this hour. I'm not reading the papers to find it out. I'm not watching the news to find it out. But I'm tracking the Holy Spirit in this. And I feel like he's saying to me, it's time that the church got up and began to act like the victors, not the victims. That it's time that the church got up and started to act like what the Bible says we are. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Waiting for something to be finished before we get involved with mission. The crowd's not always right. Think about it a minute. The crowd saw what was going, but only Elisha saw what was coming. We're living in a world right now where everyone can tell you what's going, what's not there, what's not happening, what you can't do. Hello? I reckon it's 90% of of conversation at the moment is, What's going? But one man saw what was coming. Amen. Can you see what's coming? Amen. My Bible says that the glory of the Lord is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. My Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. My Bible says in all these things we are more than conquerors. My Bible says all these things. Can you see what's coming? Can you see what's coming? When you talk about end times, and we're going to do that tonight in the 5 p.m. service, but when we talk about that, are you realise that to Jesus, end times is not where everybody gets their just desserts. It's where the biggest harvest on the earth in the universe has ever seen of people coming to Christ. Hey, the Bible says that in the book of Revelation, I saw a multitude around the throne, people without number. I don't know about you, I can count a long way. If I stand here today, I reckon I can count into the millions. I can probably count to a billion if you give me enough time. That would not be a number without number. The Bible says that that's got to mean that somewhere between now and the return of Jesus, that's got to mean somewhere between now and the return of Jesus, more people are going to come to Christ than have ever come to Christ in all the history of mankind. Huh? More people, your neighbours, your workmates, the people that you visit or see or meet or know, some of them, the Holy Spirit right now is working on the inside of them, building a hunger to say, I want more than what I have. Lots of people can tell you what's gone. The crowd had no appetite either for the difficult. 
But Elisha knew the prize is off on the other side of the hard days. Stay. No. Stay. No. Stay. No. Okay, what do you want? I want twice what you've got. And he declares to him, Elijah says, Elijah's not making up because you've asked a hard thing. He says, whew, that's a tall order. You're asking a lot. Nevertheless, don't you love God's nevertheless? Oh, you don't have the right background. Nevertheless. Oh, you didn't go to the right school, the right university. Nevertheless. Oh, they said you'd never be able to make it. They said you'd never amount to anything. Nevertheless. Come on, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what other people think about you. It matters not what the opinions of all the people who know you and think they know you is. If God will touch your life, there will be a nevertheless over your life. Nevertheless, Jeff. Nevertheless, Richard. Nevertheless, Bob. Nevertheless, Andrea. Nevertheless, Julia. Nevertheless, if you see me, but he's got to keep on going. Why? Because sometimes, come on, sometimes the, the thing, the prize is on the other side of a tough day and a tough week and a tough month and a tough year. For some people, it's the other side of a tough life. Amen. Come on. Come on. You know, I'm, you know I, I live in the real world like you do. Not every day is in the sweet by and by. I don't sit around all day saying, Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Huh? There are some days where you just go, Nuh. Huh? But Paul said this. He said, I press on for the prize. Come on, do you know there's a prize? Come on, there's a prize for you. Come on, there's a prize that's got your name on it. Come on, like kids at Christmas time, isn't that true? You don't care how many presents are under the tree. What do you want? You want the one with your name on it, don't you? Isn't that right? You get under there and you don't care if it says Rebecca. You don't care if it says Ryan. You don't care if it says anything else. You're looking for the one that says Judah. Huh? You're looking for that. I found that one's mine. That one's mine. Can I say to you today, the Holy Spirit has got something with your name on it. I don't never think I'm that smart, really. I just think God gave me a gift of stubbornness. I think... Can I say to you, I think it's one of the greatest gifts God can give a human. It's just something inside of you that just goes, too bad. So what? I don't care. I'm going, yeah, you've got opinions, I've got convictions. Amen. Oh, yeah, you've got circumstances. Oh, no, I've got more than, I've got vision in Jesus' name. I can see something on the other side of the Jordan that's got my name on it. Think about this a minute. Elijah had been wearing a jacket for years and years and years and he never knew that there was twice as much power in it as what he'd ever experienced. Think about that a minute. Even the man of God has no idea of the potential. 
Come on, not one of you here, not me. None of us know what God has for us and not in its entirety. Oh, I pray today that whoever you are, wherever you are, you are living in a way that you will possess the thing that's got your name on it. I'm not after your destiny. I'm not after being like so-and-so or Mr. or whoever or Reverend. I'm not after being like all those other people. I just want the one that says Jeff. Amen. The crowd had no appetite for the difficult. And Elisha knew the prize is often on the other side of the hard days. We're not talking here about just keeping on going, gritting your teeth. He's not saying, I'm just going to keep on going, doing the same old things. He's going on to grow and to change. This man has been grabbed by something. Paul put it this way, he says, I'm out to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. Come on, think about it. You got saved. How? By the grace of God and nothing else. Jesus just touched you. And many of us, and I, hope, I wish it was all of us, we get touched by something then that you just, it's never satisfied. Everything else in life has got a satisfaction threshold. Even your favourite food, you can get sick of. Isn't that right? Come on, you can even your favourite food one day, that again? Huh? Everything in your life, the company of your best friends. Sometimes don't you just need to say, mm. <laughs> the laugh out loud was unfortunate. <laughs> it's true though. But here's this thing that this man gets touched by something that then the whole of the time he's there going, I'm not taking, I reckon he slept with one eye open. If he goes tonight, I'm grabbing him. The truth is that faith is there for the difficult days, not the easy ones. Faith will always urge you on. Faith will urge you to dig deep, to press through, to hold fast to God's promises. Faith will help you to stay strong, to keep going, to keep climbing, to look for blessing. Faith will keep your mind alert, your emotions subdued and your believing strong. Faith will bring you to the right place with the right people in the fullness of the will of God for your life. That's what faith will do. We are not a bunch of people who just happen to like religion. First and foremost, we are people that have been apprehended by Christ Jesus. A young man in this church said to me the other day, he, I love the way he put it, he said, I was profoundly converted. He told me about the time when he came to church. By accident, you'd say. He was not looking for God, he was looking for company. When came with a friend. Even that friend was somebody barely knew, he was that desperate he'd take anyone for a friend. I don't mean that rudely. But when he came, he was profoundly apprehended by Christ. Come on, if you are born again, you've been profoundly apprehended. There isn't, there's no such thing as a Christian who snuck in. Oh, never saw that one coming. Put in they come. 
Another born again by accident. Listen, no one gives birth by accident. Didn't know what that was. Well, look at that. Heck, a baby. I wonder where that came from. I'm pretty sure you know. We've all been, come on, I want everybody in on this. We've profoundly been apprehended by God. Every one of us. Don't be the crowd that see what's going but have no hunger for what's coming. When it comes to stuff, build contentment. Hebrews 13.5 tells us that. But when it comes to the things of God, build hunger. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Amen. God has more for you than what you have now. You're in a great place. Thank God. You're in church. Hello. How good's that? Seriously? Huh? You don't have an empty life. I may not be as full as you want, but you don't have an empty life. You don't have an uncertain life. You know what happens. You step off this mortal coil today. You are with Jesus. Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? You know that something profound's happened in your life. But can I urge you today, go past your Gilgal. Go past your Bethel, the place of great miracles. What if the biggest miracles are the ones in front of you? Go past your Jericho, a great victory in your life. Go past the Jordan, another miraculous place, and say, God, what I'm looking for, I'm looking for the thing with my name on it. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Your word tells us how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Because what you've done in our life is not small. It's not insignificant. The person here who feels the least has received something great. The person here who looks at their life and can only see what's wrong still has a destiny with their name written on it. The person who's got the struggles at the moment. There's something more waiting for them. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. We love you, Lord. We don't love you because of what you do for us. We don't love you, Lord, because you use us. We love you because you saved us. We love you because you first loved us. When we were lost, you loved us. When we were broken, you loved us. When we were even in opposition to you and your kingdom, you loved us anyway. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray for anybody that's in this service, wherever that may be. I pray for anyone, Jesus, who doesn't know what it's like to have you as Savior. Maybe they think about you as a great teacher or a 
great spiritual leader or some other thing, but you didn't die on a cross to start another religion. There was plenty already. You died on the cross because it was the only way that the inner part of our life could be transformed, born again. You died on a cross so that our sins could be blotted out. You bore the penalty. The one we should have paid, you paid it. So Lord, I pray for anybody that's a part of this service they haven't yet said yes to you. But also pray for those, Lord, who maybe have stopped at their Gilgal or their Bethel or their Jericho or their Jordan. They're going, wow, this has been so good. What a great ride. But God, we want to keep going because there's more that you have for us. We are called. We are chosen. And yet there's more. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. There'll be many people a part of this service in the building here in front of me, online. You're one of those people that I just mentioned. You've never said yes to Jesus in your life. Some of us have been Christians now a fair while. I still am amazed. I really am. I'm amazed at all the little accidents, serendipitous moments, things that took place where you just go, really? And you couldn't look at it and go, that was me. You go, I know. The person who spoke to you when you needed someone to tell you. The person you bumped into. Many of us here have got stories like that. But I'll tell you the one thing everyone has in common is that somewhere along the way, every person gets the opportunity. Do I say yes to Jesus or do I walk away? Do I say, Lord, here's my heart? Or do I say, nah, I want to keep going my own way? Saying yes to Christ is the greatest thing you will ever do on planet Earth. Ever. All it takes is a yes to Jesus. It's so easy. Please don't mistake the ease of this as though it's something light or without significance. That's not so. Up here on the screen, say yes to Jesus. Text yes if you're in Australia, 0488826392. Yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're on metrochurch.online, the button's there. You click on it. And you might go, just click it. Is it just like a like on Instagram? Yeah, like, whatever. I know it's not that at all. Your yes is you saying, I'm opening my heart. I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Come on. I want Jesus in my life. Come on, I want Jesus in my life. If you're in the building, tell him right now, I want Jesus in my life. If you're online, tell him right now, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you in my life. I need you, Jesus. I need you. You've listened to all the gurus, you've listened to all the cults, you've listened to all the philosophies, you've listened to all the New Age stuff, and not one of those things made the difference that you need. But Jesus will change you from the inside out. All it takes is your yes. Come on, just your yes. Yeah, well, what will people think? Who cares? Say yes to Jesus. He'll help you. 
Father, we pray for those people that are saying yes to you right now. People that during this week, they'll be a part of their service and in other time zones perhaps, but they'll say yes to you. We thank you for them. Bless them, bless them, help them, help them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for saying yes to Christ. I thank you, but literally you'll be thanking Jesus. Trust me, you'll be thanking Jesus, saying, Lord, how great is that? Amen. How many people say, God, I just want more. I've got a lot. I've been blessed. I've been helped. I love it. And it's so easy. We're in a world right now that's the most distracted world there's ever been. So let's just bring it back for a minute. What are we going to say? Come on, team. Come on, Amanda. I know we're going to sing a great song, Love Jesus. So can we stand together in the building, wherever we are? Can we just take a minute? Let's just do a minute. I just want more.